few passages capture the magic and the wonder of Christmas, like the one you just saw, Isaiah 9-6. We've been talking about that. Started last week, and we'll be going through the month. It was a prophecy of Jesus Christ that was written 700 years before he was born. So let's read it together. It's going to be up on the screen. Let's read it all together here. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, last week, we talked about Jesus as our wonderful counselor, and I explained how Jesus is so much more than just a good therapist. These Hebrew words, peleyots, better convey this idea of a wise advisor who is full of miracles and wonders. And in order to hold on to the magic of Christmas, We've got to remember that Jesus is both our wisdom and our wonder. Well, this week, this week we're going to talk about the second name that the prophet Isaiah gave Jesus. Mighty God. Mighty God. Now, how many of you remember, any of you remember these guys, the power team These were these gigantic, Hulk, muscle-bound Christian evangelists from the 80s and 90s. And they would come and break bricks and bend metal and do all these crazy... Well, why explain it to you when you can actually watch them in their 80s glory? Here we go. And it was as crazy as that looked. They were tearing phone books, breaking baseball bats, smashing piles of bricks, and it was just nuts. And then after all of that, they would stand up and and share the gospel with everyone there. And their basic message was, we're really strong, but God is even stronger. No matter what you're going through in your life, God is stronger. And that was their basic message. 
And see, that message really connected with me because I was a brand new Christian. I was only been a Christian a year or two. And I was really intrigued at this idea of a strong God. In fact, the first verse I ever memorized was Psalm 93, 4. More than the sound of rushing waters, more than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. I memorized that at 17. I knew that one before I knew John 3, 16. I guess that's kind of what you expect when you're a Southern California surfer dude. That's the verse out of the whole Bible you memorize. But I was really fascinated at this idea of a strong God. But then over time, I began to think less about a strong God. And it's not like I didn't believe God was strong anymore. I just didn't think about it much. You know, as you grow and went off to college and got jobs, and I just thought about it less. And I think that's really easy to happen. I think it's really easy for any of us to begin to just forget that God is a strong God. In fact, I'm not sure there's a, there would be a single person in this room who would directly say, I believe that God is weak, powerless, or wimpy. But you know, the truth is, we sometimes live our lives as if we believe God is weak, powerless, or wimpy. So here, here are just a few ways. Here are four ways that I think we can live our life that demonstrate that somewhere inside of us, we have a weak view of God, that we see God as powerless. First, being overly controlling. You seek to control everything, the people around you, your spouse, your kids, your future, your reputation, your appearance. You want to control all of that because fundamentally, if you feel that you need to control everything around you, somewhere in you, you don't really believe that God is in control. And you need to do it. Or not taking risks. You play it safe. You're risk aversive. Okay. See, this usually tends, stems from a belief that God won't be there if you fail. Often when you don't want to take risks, what it means is that you fear failure more than you trust God's presence in your life. Or excessive worry. You worry a lot. See, here worry is a consequence of not really believing in a powerful God. It's believing that God won't be there for you. It's, it's believing that God doesn't want the best for you. It's believing that God's ways aren't really the best, so you worry. Or lastly, not praying big prayers. You pray really small, safe prayers. You pray before meal and pray for a new job or someone who's sick. You pray very safe prayers, but you avoid the big ones. The big ones that could only be accomplished by God's powerful hand. And if you believe that God isn't all that powerful, you might not really trust that he would come through in your big prayer. By the way, that one is me. I own that one. I tend to pray small prayers. 
because I kind of figure somewhere deep inside, if I can't get it done, then it might not happen. So that's an area where I have a small, powerless view of God. So what about you? Out of those four, which one of them hit home for you? A couple of them? All of them? We'll pray for you after service. Okay? <laughs> but come on. I think all of us have ways that we live as if we believe that God is powerless or God is small. So how can we recapture some of that Christmas name of mighty God? If we're living in ways that sort of betray what our mind thinks, how can we align those two? How can we get our mind and our heart and our soul to really buy into this idea of a mighty God? Well, the first... First step here is to appreciate some of God's mightiness. So I want to share some theology with you. There are a whole lot of characteristics of God that go into him as mighty. I just want to share three of them today. But there are chapters upon chapters of this written, okay, but just three today. That God is omnipotent, God is omniscient, and God is omnipresent. These are three characteristics of God. First, let's start with God is omnipotent. So what does this mean? That God is all-powerful and able to do anything consistent with his nature. God is all-powerful and able to do anything that is consistent with his nature. Now, this does not mean that God can do anything. It means anything consistent with his will and nature. So for instance, God cannot lie. God cannot sin. God cannot fail. Because those are inconsistent with his nature. But what it does mean, and what the Bible consistently shows, is that God, in alignment with his will and nature, is all-powerful. In fact, one of the words in the Bible one of the names the Bible gives God is El Shaddai. And all you old school Amy Grant fans immediately know that name. That means Almighty God, El Shaddai. And see, in Scripture, we see a God that has power over the natural world, over the supernatural world over the course of human history, and most remarkably, over our own lives. God is all-powerful. God is El Shaddai. He's omnipotent. Second, God is omniscient. Now, this means that God knows all things, actual and possible, all at once. God knows all things, actual and possible, all at once. So here's how the Alliance theologian A.W. Tozer described it. God knows instantly and effortlessly every matter, mind, spirit, being, creature, plurality and law, all relations, all causes, all thoughts, all mysteries, all enigmas, all feelings, all desires, every secret, 
all thrones and dominions, all personalities, all things visible and invisible in heaven and earth, motion, space, time, life, death, good, evil, heaven and hell. Because God knows all things perfectly, he knows no thing better than any other thing, but all things equally well. He never discovers anything. He is never surprised, never amazed. He never wonders about anything, nor does he seek information or ask questions, except when drawing people out for their own good. Now that is a mighty God. Now the third one I want to talk about is that God is omnipresent. That means that God is everywhere present with his whole being at all times. God is everywhere with his whole being at all times. So it's kind of like these kids who line up at a, a school lunch table at a Christian school, and on the front of the table, there's a big bowl of apples. And one of the teachers wrote, take only one, God is watching. <laughs> so the students take one. Later down at the table, there's a giant plate of cookies. And a student added their own note. Go ahead and take all you want. God's watching the apples. <laughs> that is not omnipresence. However, omnipresence does mean that God does not have size or spatial dimensions. You can't describe God as bigger than something else because that implies space. God's present, or that God cannot be limited by physical space because he created physical space. But what's interesting, it also means that God's closeness varies. God's closeness, God's proximity, God's intimacy varies based on obedience and devotion. It also means that God's presence varies around the world. And God acts differently in different places. And lastly, it also means that God can be present to bless, to punish, or sometimes simply to sustain. In Psalms, King David asked the question, where can I go to escape God's presence? And the implied answer is nowhere. That's omnipresence. So when the, the prophet Isaiah was talking about Jesus as mighty God, when he was giving him the name mighty God, it affirms God's power. It affirms that God is all-powerful. It affirms that God is all-knowing. And he is present everywhere. But... If you only think of God's power in terms of being out there, you're missing the whole point of Christmas. The incarnation of Jesus Christ, the, the, the coming of God to be with us, to be born a baby in a manger, 
means that God's power is no longer just out there. It's actually in here as well. That's what's amazing about Christmas. The idea of God being with us in the the incarnation. See, that's what I got wrong as a new Christian. As a little teenager Christian going to church for the first time and watching those roid-raged Christian evangelists, like, I got wrong because I just thought of God's power out there. I didn't think of God's power in here. See, Jesus is our mighty God. And that means three things. Three things that I want to share with you today. First, it means that Jesus' power is at work in you. Jesus' power is at work in you. So listen to how the Apostle Paul described this. So in Philippians chapter 2, one of the great Christ-centered chapters in the whole New Testament, Philippians chapter 2, here's what Paul says. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And that's out of the New Living Translation because I I thought it made the language a little easier, so I wanted to share that one with you. See, God, through Jesus, is working in you right now. But he is not working in you to make you a better you. He is not working in you to give you your best life. And he is not working in you to take your problems away. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus Christ is working in you to give you the desire and the power to do what pleases God. Jesus Christ is working in you to give you the desire and the power to follow God's will. The desire and the power to obey him, to make the hard choices, to live selflessly, to sacrifice, to put others above yourself, to build God's kingdom here on earth. That is why Jesus is working in you. Jesus in you is not about you. Jesus in you is about God, his will, and his kingdom. And Jesus in you is inviting you to join God's mission here on earth. But that's not all. The second thing that this means, that Jesus is mighty God, means that Jesus' power is at work for you. Jesus' power is at work for you. Jesus' power is there when you are weak. Now, that's good news, that Jesus' power is there for you when you are weak. See, Paul wrote about this as well. See, Paul had a weakness. Paul had a problem. He had a handicap. We don't know what it was, 
But it was something big enough that he prayed over and over and over again for God to take it away. And God did it. But here's what God said to Paul. As Paul was dealing with this, whatever this handicap was, and he wanted it gone, here's, what, here's how God responded. Each time, God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now, this is Paul again talking, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, some of you need to hear this today because you're weary you're tired. You're at the end of your rope with your family, your job, maybe even yourself. And it's coming to the end of the year and you just feel like giving up. You need to know something. That God's power is working for you when you're at the end of your rope, when you have nothing left to give, when you want to give up, when you curl up on the floor and just cry, God is working for you. You are not alone. And whatever you're feeling in that moment, no matter how large, no matter how heavy, no matter how hopeless, that is not the end of your story. Because Jesus, as our mighty God, is working for you. In your weakness, in your failure, that's when God is strong. That's when God succeeds. Jesus, as our mighty God, his power is at work for you. There's one more. That Jesus' power is at work through you. Jesus' power is at work through you. Let me read you the life verse, so to speak, of the Alliance. It's Acts 1.8. says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is an amazing promise that Jesus leaves with us. This is one of the last things that Jesus says before he ascends to heaven. And he tells his disciples this. And I can just imagine what they're feeling. The reason you tell someone that, you will, that they will receive power is because they're feeling powerless. The reason you tell someone that there is hope is because they're feeling hopeless. The reason you tell someone that the emotions that they're feeling in this moment are not the end of their story 
is because God has more story ahead. And that's what Jesus did. He said, you will receive power. I want to turn you into supernaturally charged superheroes, world changers, life transformers. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. The course of human history was changed when a group of people received power through the Holy Spirit. Exactly what Jesus said. But it didn't stop there. There are some in Christianity who believe that the, the power of those miracles stopped with the original 12 disciples. I don't. The Alliance doesn't, and River Life doesn't. That that power is still available for us. That power is still available for you. No matter how powerless you feel, that power from Jesus Christ is available to work through you. Notice this one's different. One is to build you up when you're weak. This one is to make you even better than who you are right now. If you've had one of those moments where you've ever felt kind of supernaturally led, and you're like, that must have been God, because that wasn't me. So I have a name for that. I call that Super Greg. <laughs> See, Greg, Super Greg. Greg, super Greg. <laughs> and it's one of those moments where you're like, that was totally God, because that was not me. All of you have a superhero inside you. If you believe in Jesus Christ, Jesus gave the promise of the Holy Spirit in you. And through that Holy Spirit, you can receive power to be God's witnesses, to be his representatives, to be his hands and his feet, to be his agents of change. God can give you power. In fact, that's what the church is for. God established the church, and I don't know what kind of super omniscient wisdom this is, but he put the fate of the world into the hands of the church. Like, has he seen us? Isn't there a better church you can entrust building your kingdom here on earth to? Someone with better, smarter people? Because it's just us. It's like, I know. My power is made great in your weakness. You are exactly who I want to transform St. Paul. You are exactly who I want to bring hope, healing, and growth to second and third gen mall. Because I will give you power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. We are exactly who God wants to be agents of change. Supernaturally empowered forces for good. 
That is who the church should be. And that is who I want River Life to be. And that's the promise of Jesus as our mighty God. That God can work through us to accomplish his will and his kingdom. Not our will and not our kingdom. And that's pretty cool to get drafted onto that team. So let's summarize. Three things I just talked about. That Jesus' power is working in you. It is at work for you. And it is at work through you. The first one transforms you to be more like Christ. The second one lifts you up when you're weak. And the third one empowers you to impact others. So this Christmas, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to do something that you are very used to doing. This. Everybody knows this. Even in the back row, you can barely see that. What is that? A noodle? What is that? We all know what this is. We live and die off this. If you leave the house with your phone at 50% and you don't have one of these, I too see you like to live dangerously. But most of us live and die off these things. It's now become the most common thing left at hotels. Chargers. Every kid, whenever my, my nieces and nephews come over, our house gets filled with chargers. Because we all understand what this is. This, whether it's this or that, it can change a $900 doorstop into a pocket-sized supercomputer. It can change a brick into the most powerful tool that you have ever carried on your person. And see, that's what it's like when we understand Jesus as our mighty God. See, apart from him, disconnected, we are self-centered blobs of water, flesh, and bone. That is the best we are. But when we connect to Jesus Christ as our mighty God, we can die to ourselves. We become lovers of other people. We become a force for good in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our communities. When we follow the Holy Spirit by plugging into his power, we become super Greg and super Pimpoil, super Thu, super Mai. We become a church full of superheroes not powered by us, but powered by Jesus Christ. Unplugged, blobs of water. 
plugged, supernaturally empowered. Slave to sin, set free from sin. Selfish, loving. Short-tempered, patient. Angry, peace-filled. Blaming, forgiving. Mean, kind. Grinch, Santa Claus. So who do you want to be this Christmas? Join me in prayer. God, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you that you named him Mighty God. Because we are weak. And we are selfish. But with the gift of the Holy Spirit that you promise to every follower of Christ, we can be supernaturally empowered. That's why I pray that for us today. I pray that for me today. God, that we can receive power from you. We can recognize how powerful you are and we thank you that the power is not just with you. That you have chosen to give us a relationship with Jesus Christ so that we could have that power. Lord, I pray for River Life that we, we be a church of supernaturally empowered people not living by the flesh, not living by our own wills and building our own kingdom. God, that we become a church, that we are a church that is building your kingdom, following your will and showing your love to everybody. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your son. And thank you for the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, our mighty God, I pray. Amen.